for choosing to worship with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can grab those and uh, open them up to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. If you're using a seatback Bible, you're looking for page 722. I think it was 722 in the seatback Bibles. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, like I said, you can use uh, those seatback Bibles. If you're looking for Ezekiel, you're looking for like Lamentations, Daniel. It's in that area. Uh, Ezekiel 34 is where we're going to be this morning. While you're turning there, I'd like to thank um, those people who actually were uh, just up here, our worship team, uh, the guys and, and girls who um, spend their, give, use the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given them to bless us, to help lead us into worship, to um, care for us and help us to um, enter into the presence of God in worship. So thank you for everybody on the worship team. Thank you for uh, putting in the time and effort and, and using those God-given abilities uh, to bless us. If you would like to join the worship team, if you like more information about that, you can use those connect cards I talked about earlier, and you can circle worship team, uh, and Daniel will get in touch with you, and we'll uh, have some conversations about what that looks like. So um, this morning, uh, we're going to continue in our Name of God series, My Name Is, where we're looking at the different names of God, the different ways God reveals himself to us, and the characteristics that go along with those names. So last week, we looked at the name Yahweh. Yahweh is the relational uh, name of God. It is God revealing himself in a new personal way that he hadn't done before that. Um, It's this relational covenant name between him and the people. And we talked about with this name Yahweh that it was so special to the Israelite people, so special to the Jewish people that when they would read that name in the Bible, they wouldn't say it out loud. They were too afraid of taking the Lord's name in vain. They were too afraid of um, somehow mocking or belittling this name of God. And so instead of saying Yahweh, they would say Adonai or Adon, which is the Lord. And so that was, even if you were by yourself, you wouldn't say the name out loud. And over time, uh, different scribes actually put in the vowels uh, in the Hebrew Bible to, that go with the name Adonai as a reminder to the people, do not say this name, but instead say Adonai. And over time, what happened is you take the the consonants of the name Yahweh, you take the vowels of the name Adonai, and it became this new word that we know as Jehovah. And that name continues to this day where you see um, there are different groups and different people that will call God Jehovah. But when you hear or know of the name Jehovah, it's Yahweh. It's a reference back to Yahweh, God's relational name. And so we're going to see as we continue on through this series, we're going to have different names like the one we have this morning, uh, where the name in Scripture is actually a combination of Jehovah, Yahweh, and a different name. So today we're looking at the name Ra'ah, Jehovah Ra'ah, um, which is God, or the Lord, is my shepherd. Um, God, my shepherd. And so you heard it this morning, Daniel read the passage, most famously this name of God is used in the opening lines of Psalm 23. Those opening words of that psalm by David are literally Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord my shepherd, God my shepherd, I shall not want. David, thinking back to his time when he was a shepherd, thinks about how God has cared for him, loves him, takes care of him, and he reflects on that same way that God is a shepherd to him. And here's what's interesting about that, though, and this idea of God being a shepherd. We've talked about this before. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. Nobody grew up thinking, I'm going to be a shepherd. That was something to be desired. It was, a, it was a role that nobody wanted. It was a role that was necessary, but it was despised. David himself is only a shepherd because he's the youngest of many brothers, and nobody else wants the gig, so they give it to the littlest of the group. We looked last week at Moses, and Moses was a shepherd when God called him. 
He was a shepherd because he was an outlaw. He had killed someone. He was on the run, and nobody else wants the job, and so they hired an outlaw to do the work because if you could do anything else, you did anything else other than be a shepherd. It was not something anyone wanted to do. You lived outside amongst the sheep all of the time. And so whether it was rain, um, storms, wind, you were stuck outside. Over time, you started to smell a little funky. It was a job where you were considered to be untrustworthy. You were unclean when it came to the Jewish law. You were unclean, so you couldn't even go to the temple and worship. And at that time, the temple life, that was where all of society gathered. That was where everyone gathered. That was where relationships were formed was in the temple, and the shepherds weren't allowed in there. And so really, their main source of relations, uh, relationships was with other shepherds. But in Israel at that time, pastures, greenery was very limited, and so you had shepherds constantly competing with one another to get their flocks to different green pastures. So even these relationships you might have with another shepherd, there was, it was more like a frenemy kind of thing. You were cordial, but at the same time you were constantly competing. It was a job that no one liked and no one wanted, and it was a hard job. It was a hard job because sheep are dumb, dumb animals. When David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What he's saying is the shepherd had to really care for the sheep, had to provide everything for the sheep. See, sheep would graze on grass. They will eat grass, but sheep are not smart enough to stop eating. So they will eat the grass in front of them, and they will continue to eat the dirt and the rocks that are in front of them. And what could happen is if you, didn't, if you weren't careful, the sheep would continue to eat the rocks and dirt, get sick, throw up everything they ate, continue to eat that, and that cycle would continue until they died. On top of that, they would gorge themselves. They will eat everything. And so, again, you have to be careful not to let them get sick. And also, you need to leave some of the pasture so that they have somewhere to sleep because sheep are not tough animals by any means. So if they are not comfortable, they're not going to sleep. They're not going to rest. Sheep were not smart enough to be able to really, truly fend for themselves. They will eat everything. They won't sleep. And so again, when David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. The best illustration I can give is if you have or know of a toddler who doesn't want to sleep, is overtired but desperately needs a nap, you know what's good for them. And so again, you don't suggest to them, hey, I think it's probably time you're a little cranky, it's time to go to sleep. No, it's a command because you know better than they do. I know what's best for you, and so it's time to sleep. You sometimes have to be stern about that. God sometimes forces us to stop even when we don't think we need to. This shepherd leads me beside still waters. Sheep need still water. They need a pond, they need a runoff, they need a puddle to drink out of. Why? Because they are not strong nor smart enough to drink from running water. They will fall in and be swept with the current. And so oftentimes a shepherd would have to take, if they couldn't find standing water, they would have to find a stream and they would have to kind of dig out their own channel to provide their sheep with a, some type of still water so that the sheep would be able to drink. Sheep have big trouble caring for themselves. They need help to eat and to drink, to sleep. They are weak. They are easy prey for predators. So again, this role of shepherd is not one that was wanted. It was even despised. And yet, 
God says he is the shepherd. See, we have this tendency to take our thoughts, to take our experiences, the things that we engage with in the world, and project those onto God. For example, we know that Scripture says God is love. But if we take our concept of love, we take what the world says love is and project that onto God, it's not all that comforting. Because love here is temporary, right? People fall in and out of love at any time. Love is conditional. As long as you are lovable, I will love you. But once things change, I'm out. Love is temporary. And let's not even talk about the fact that we take love and we put it towards our cat, our spouse, and our car. But if any of those things, whatever person, place, or thing that we claim love, that we love, if it stops making us feel good, if it stops making us ha- be happy, we no longer love it. We've, we've made love to be this temporary thing, and so it's conditional, it's situational, it's temporary. And so we take that idea of love, and we, when God is love, we say, well, that's not a comfort to us. How is that helpful? But what if we actually studied what Scripture says is love, what God says is love, And we let that influence our world. Instead of taking what we know and what we experience here and projecting it onto God, instead letting God dictate what these things actually are, what what his character and likeness actually is. And that's what I want to do with Jehovah Ra'ah this morning, this idea that God is the shepherd. Instead of saying this role of shepherd is one that is disgusting and unimportant and not relevant to us in 2020 in Chicago, I want to look at what God says about him being a shepherd what it means to be a spiritual shepherd to others. And my prayer for us this morning is twofold, is one, that we are comforted by the knowledge and assurance that God is Jehovah Ra'ah, the shepherd. And number two, that we are challenged and encouraged and inspired and maybe even convicted that if we want to grow in becoming like Christ, like the mission of this church says that we want to do, that we realize that God is the good shepherd, and that means we are called to shepherd one another. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to pray, and then let's jump into Ezekiel. Uh, Please uh, bow your heads and pray with me. God, you are good, and we thank you for another day to worship you. Lord, you are in control of all things. And so as we come to you this morning, Lord, we do so humbly, understanding who we are in relation to who you are. God, as we open your word this morning, grant us eyes to see, hearts to understand, and spirits willing to respond to the truth you have for us. Lord, as I preach this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be glorifying to you. We pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his name, amen. So we're going to be in Ezekiel 34, uh, starting in verse 1. We're going to read a section and then we'll skip down. Uh, and read another section as well. So start in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves? Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there were no shepherd, 
and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. I want you to skip down. We're going to go to verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they, lie, they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So obviously, as we're talking about shepherds here, and this God speaking against, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, we're not talking about the literal shepherds with the staff, we're talking about the spiritual leaders of Israel. This title of shepherd uh, is put, is given towards spiritual leaders of God's people, people of authority and leadership, and it's more of a commentary on the helplessness of the sheep rather than the prestige of shepherd, right? We just got done talking about it. Nobody wanted to be a literal shepherd. And the spiritual shepherd, it's more about how weak and helpless the, the spiritual sheep are. But even this role of spiritual shepherd is still, it's hard and it's exhausting and people much like sheep don't always make good decisions. As I was reading and I was, I was prepping for this, this week, I was really struck by the fact that God lets us step into this role of shepherd. Right? He is Jehovah Ra'ah. It's not a title for him. It's a name for him. It's his identity. If he had DNA, it would be in his DNA. It's not this thing that he picks up and puts down when it's convenient. We talked last week about how God is immutable. He is never changing. He has always been the shepherd. He has always been there. And we talked about how God is eternal. He has no beginning and he has no end. And so because he is eternal, because he has no beginning and end, and he is outside of all existence, he is the origin of everything. Love, grace, mercy, these things originate in God. And so all of the aspects and characteristics of the shepherd that God considers essential, the qualities and characters to be a shepherd, that all originates in him. It's who he is. And it blows me away that he would look at us, these temporary, finite, flawed, sinful creations, and say, you know what, I want you to go and do what I do. You go be who I am. And it's not just this role of shepherd, it's everything. It's God is a father, right? He has eternally been a father. It's not something he had to learn or figure out along the way. And that role he lets us try and live into. God is love. God is just. God is mercy. God is forgiveness. All of these different characters and qualities we see in God. He says, I started it. I am the very embodiment of it, and I want you to do what I do. And when we stop, and at least as I thought about that this week, it seems like an incredible and difficult and near impossible task. Overwhelming, even. And from that, I landed in, in, on two observations. One, there is a difference between real shepherds and fake shepherds. 
Because the fake shepherd, the fake spiritual shepherd, likes the power, likes the attention, likes the authority and the control. And they use those things for their own benefit, and they do not care who they hurt or truly what happens to the sheep. They are in it for their own motivations and benefits. This passage in Ezekiel talks about the shepherds eating the sheep, devouring the resources and life of the people. Whereas the real shepherds, they will not be perfect, but they will pursue the role the best that they can. They will fall, they will fail, they will mess up, but they will try. Right? It's the difference between actively pursuing evil, actively pursuing sin, and the person who is pursuing righteousness, pursuing Christ, but is being pulled and falling into temptation, and after sinning, instead of running away from God, runs to God, seeking forgiveness and pursuing him all the more. There's a difference between these two things. And secondly, the task that God calls us to, this idea of being a shepherd is big. But Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you have put your faith in Christ, you have been given the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And if God is calling you to something that seems big and scary and overwhelming by human standards, it's so that you will be forced to rely on the Holy Spirit for strength and guidance and ability so that you can grow in trusting him. To shepherd like Jehovah Ra'ah shepherds, that's beyond us. We don't have that in us. But it's not beyond God working in us and through us if we will allow it to happen and be faithful when the opportunity presents itself to step into this role God has granted us. God says he is the shepherd. He says, I want you to do it too. He doesn't need us, but he wants us to step into this role. So let's talk about what this looks like. We saw what it isn't in verses 3 through 5. It lists out all of the things that the the shepherds that had been put in place were doing or not doing. They did not strengthen the weak. They did not care for the sick or hurt. They did not go after the lost. They were harsh. They let some of the sheep become food for the enemy. The shepherd's job is to care for the sheep. Everything we read in that first section is not only not caring for others, but it's just flat out ignoring them. It's seeing pain and vulnerability and weakness. It's having the ability to do something about those situations and choosing not to. And scripture is very clear about that. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. 1 John echoes that in 1 John 3, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? To allow the sheep to suffer when you have the ability to address the situation is sin. And so God lists out, here's all the things you were supposed to do and didn't do. And so in that case, I'm going to do it. We see if you go down to verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Note it says, I, I myself. It's an emphatic. I, I myself will search for my sheep. I will be among my sheep. There's no B team. It's not send in the lackey. God himself has promised he will do the work of the shepherd. God himself will go looking for those who are lost and scattered to find them and care for them and restore them. 
Now, in the greatest sense, this is Jesus coming to earth, right? This is Jesus showing up, coming, stepping into humanity, walking amongst us to bring us sheep home. On the days of darkness and clouds, he will be a rescue. Jehovah Ra'ah does the work to find the lost sheep. In Luke 15, Jesus, maybe with Ezekiel 34 in mind, talks and gives a parable about the lost sheep. In Luke 15, it says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. God rejoices when he finds the lost sheep. He rejoices and carries them home. See, when God goes looking for the lost sheep, it's not to scold or to hurt them, it's to protect them. It's to bring them out of the darkness and bring them back into light. He comes looking for you, not to punish you, but to restore you. Now we say all the time, are there consequences still to your sin? Yes, absolutely. But if you have put your faith in Jesus, you are one of the sheep, and Jehovah Ra'ah will always come looking for you to restore you, to restore that relationship that has been broken. He repeats this idea in verse 16, and this does bear repeating. See, just because you are a Christian doesn't mean you will be sinless. Doesn't mean you will be perfect. Doesn't mean everything's going to go your way all the time. You may have seasons of rebellion and sin. But let me tell you that you have not gone so far that you are outside of the grasp of the grace and mercy of God. You cannot go outside of the grasp of the grace and mercy of God. You are not forgotten or cut off. In fact, Jehovah Ra'ah will always come seeking after you, wants to bring, find you and bring you out of the darkness and back into the light where there is safety and protection from the Good Shepherd. In verse 14 of chapter 34, God says, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. Then they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. We already talked about how the sheep need the shepherd to take them from pasture to pasture so, so that they can eat, so that they can rest. God knows what you need. He knows what you need, and he knows how to best nourish you, both physically and spiritually. He cares that you have literal food in your belly and he cares that you have spiritual food for your soul. Jehovah Ra'ah provides for his sheep. He gives what we need so that we are not left to our own devices chewing on dirt and sleeping on rocks. It says he will make you lie down. He will give us rest. Even when we think we don't need it, even when we think we might not deserve it, when we think we have to keep moving, we have to keep going, how in the world will anything get done if I stop? How will things keep going? How will people survive if I don't step into that role that I've been doing the same way forever? Brothers and sisters, it doesn't depend on you. And I'm going to leave it at it, because whatever that thing is that you think, you are so essential, so vital that everything will collapse, the world will stop spinning if you stop doing this thing. It doesn't depend on you. Take a break. Take some rest. Let Jehovah Ra'ah give you the rest that he promises. He goes on and says in verse 16 that he will seek the lost, he will bring back the strayed, he will bind up the injured, and he will strengthen the weak. 
and he will bring justice. He is the healer. He is the comforter. He is in control of all things, including our health. The shepherd has the ability and the care to care for the hurt. He will bind up. He will restore. He will make it possible for you to continue. This reality of what Jehovah Ra'ah promises, one quote I read said that it illustrates as clearly as anything can that the t- of the tender qualities of the God of the Old Testament. And it strikes a death blow at those who try to drive a wedge between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. There's this idea that the God of the Old Testament is scary and evil and mean and just likes to smite people, but the God of the New Testament is love and grace and mercy. No, we learned last week, God is immutable, never changing, always the same. That's who he is. He is a comfort and caring God who loves justice, who will bring justice. And we see all of this play out in the ministry of Jesus. See, God introduced himself in the Old Testament as Jehovah Ra'ah, the shepherd. And then Jesus says, likewise in John 10, equating himself because he is God in the flesh, tells the people in John 10.10, if you guys want to flip over that way, um, if not, the words are going to be on the screen behind me. But John 10, starting in verse 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Nothing is going to stop the good shepherd from protecting the sheep. He says, they know me and I know them. I will do anything to protect them, even laying down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who goes looking for the lost who provides what is needed, who cares for the broken and hurting. This is who God is. Jehovah Ra'ah in action is Jesus stepping into humanity, seeking the lost, providing for us what we truly need, a right relationship with God. The relationship that has been broken and wrecked by sin can be restored through our faith in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and him alone. In him laying down his life for the sheep, he restores the relationship between us and God so that anyone who would put their faith in Christ would accept forgiveness and grace. This is Jehovah Ra'ah at work, Jesus going to the cross, dying for us. See, the shepherd doesn't just care about, or doesn't just talk about caring. He doesn't just theorize plans and strategies on how he can best care. He doesn't just make promises that one day he'll get to caring when it's convenient. He gets out and does it. He actually lays down his life for the sheep that we might find protection and life in him. Sheep are dumb and helpless creatures. Brothers and sisters, we very regularly choose our way over God's way. Even when we know our God is good. Even when we know that God knows what is best for us, God wants what is best for us, and is always going to provide what is best for us, we still choose our way over God's way. That's not very smart. And on our own, 
when it comes to the consequences of our sin and rebellion, we are helpless and hopeless to escape what is due to us, physical and eternal death and suffering for our sins. But the good shepherd finds us, finds us when we have wandered into the darkness, restores us to the light. The good shepherd died for us to provide what we couldn't, can't, won't provide for ourselves, salvation. And so here's why it matters that God is Jehovah Ra'ah. Because he is Jehovah Ra'ah. He is a comfort. He is a healer, a provider. He is caring and gentle. He restores. He seeks the lost. He helps the hurt. That's who he is. That's what he does. You are not just a nameless, faceless creature in the mix. If you wander off, he leaves the rest of the flock to come looking for you because you matter to him. You, on your own, with all of your flaws, all of your insecurities, all of your sin and rebellion, you matter to God. And he longs to keep you safe and to protect and provide for you. In a world of individualism, where everyone has an agenda, where every system, where every organization is looking for something from you, looking to take, always with the fine print, always with pages and pages of user agreements that we won't read. In a world looking to take advantage of you, Jehovah Ra'ah says, you literally have nothing you can offer me. And more than that, you desperately need someone to take care of you. Or else you're just going to be a wet ball of wool floating downstream. You desperately need help and you have nothing to offer. I am Jehovah Raha, Ra'a, and I am here to help. But don't miss the point of understanding. We are sheep. Don't be so proud to think that you aren't. You are. And that's okay. It's not that bad to be a sheep when you have the good shepherd to care for you and provide for you and protect you. God being Jehovah Ra'ah means even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. He is a comfort to me. There is nothing too big, nothing too scary, nothing this world can possibly throw at us that our shepherd can't handle. Jehovah Ra'ah is a blessing and comfort to us. Let him be exactly who he is for you. It should be a comfort because, yes, we are sheep. But also, as I said before, the mission of Christian Fellowship Free Church is that we might be a people that are becoming like Christ and proclaiming Christ. We want to be a people who are becoming more and more like Jesus. We want to grow in knowing him and being like him every day. And so if he is the good shepherd, that means we are called to be shepherds as well. Now, there are variations of this throughout Scripture. Like I said before, our passage in Ezekiel was addressing the official spiritual leaders. Right? When Jesus tells Peter after the resurrection, he sits with Peter on the beach and he tells Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to care for my sheep. He's talking to one of the guys who's going to help be a leader in the church when it begins. There are some people who are called to a more official role of leadership. Right? Elders, community group leaders, ministry leaders, people who have official titles and responsibilities but every one of us is called to be a shepherd because Jesus is a shepherd. Every one of us has the opportunity and ability where we can care for another person, where we can offer care and comfort, 
where we can restore and protect, where there is weakness and sickness and loss, all of these different ways that Jehovah Ra'ah is a shepherd, we can be that to one another. We can be that to others. Again, are we going to do that perfectly? No. But that doesn't mean we don't try. It doesn't mean that we ignore the call that God has put on us. We shepherd and we care for one another. Jehovah Ra'ah says he is a comfort and that he cares and that he is a healer and a seeker of the lost. Who do you know that's lost? Who do you know that maybe grew up in the church, maybe has, knows Christ, knew Christ, and then walked away, is pursuing sin, is pursuing darkness, and you've decided they're just too far gone, they can't ever come back. There's no one outside of the grips of the grace and mercy of Jesus. Or maybe even, who do you know that never got to experience the good shepherd in the first place? Someone you know that would be much better off knowing him like you know him. Who do you know that is hurting physically, emotionally, spiritually that you haven't helped even though you have the ability to because it's too hard and it's too messy? Who have you withheld yourself from? Let me offer that. What if that sheep that is in your circle of influence, that is in your life, is there because God wants you to be the shepherd for that person. God has put that person in your life so that you can step into this role that is literally originates in who God is. He has given you the opportunity to step in and do what he does, and you're ignoring the call. Jehovah Ra'ah is the good shepherd who cares and protects and provides and restores and loves his sheep, loves his sheep so much that he laid down his life for them. That is who and what we are called to be and do, to lay down our lives for one another, to care and love those God has put around us. See, this is the gospel. It is the good news that while we were helpless and hopeless, while we were lost and easy prey left to our own devices, God steps in to fulfill a role that no one else would ever want to do. A role that no one else could do. He steps in to suffer and die for us so that we might find forgiveness and new life through Jesus Christ. That if you would put your faith in him and him alone, you have been welcomed into the family of God. Jehovah Ra'ah loves you, and he loves you not because you're impressive, not because you provide him anything. He loves and cares for you because you are the sheep and he is the shepherd. May we all shepherd as we have been cared for and shepherded by Jesus, the one true good shepherd, Jehovah Ra'ah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this day that you have given us, this chance you have given us to be, to exist, to hear from your word, to be comforted, to be reminded, to be challenged. God, we thank you that you are the good shepherd, the best shepherd. That when we were lost and helpless, you came and found us. That when we go astray and we get lost, you come and find us. God, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, who hasn't put their faith in you, who hasn't trusted you 
for the forgiveness of their sins, that this morning they might come to know you as the good shepherd. Come to know and experience your goodness firsthand. And then once they have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, they might use that and move forward in showing that same love and grace and mercy towards others. God, to do what you do, even in our flawed, temporary, broken kind of way, it's a big task. But we also know you wouldn't call us to that task and then just leave us to our own devices. If you have called us to reflect you to the world, you are going to give us yourself, and you have done that in giving us the Holy Spirit. May we remember that, may we dwell on that, may we engage that and be motivated by that. Lord, help open our eyes to the moments, to the people, to the places where we can step in and be a shepherd, where we can bring comfort, where we can bring healing, where we can bring justice, where we can bring protection. Show us those moments. Give us those moments and help us to actually step into them, to be faithful to this, this role that you have called us to. God, we thank you that we can find our rest in you, that on our own we are helpless and hopeless, but with you we are everything we need. You have and will and are providing all that we need. Help us to live into that, to rest in that to not worry, but to trust that you are exactly who you say you are, the good shepherd who is going to care for his sheep. Lord, we thank you and pray for you. And we thank you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.